Our scripture this morning came from the gospel according to St. John. The reading was the 8th chapter and the 31st through to the 32nd verses. And it reads again as follows. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. As a pastor and leader of a congregation, a Christian congregation, my primary responsibility is not just to care for the welfare of the congregation, though that is very important. It's not just to bring comfort to the sick and the brokenhearted, though that too is very important. It's not just to perform baptisms and the sacraments and administer the sacraments in the church, though that is also extremely important. It's not just to bury our dead and intercede for the saints, though that too is very important. My primary responsibility, if you don't know, is to make disciples, teaching them to observe all the things that Jesus has commanded. And the reason for Jesus wanting us as pastors and leaders to, to teach people to observe all the things that he has commanded is because in his teachings, there is a truth that sets people free. And it allows us to find a freedom that all of us need. Everyone today is talking a lot about freedom. But the freedom of which they speak comes nowhere close to the freedom of which Jesus speaks. The freedom that Jesus speaks of is a spiritual thing. And the only way to get to that freedom is to find truth. In fact, Jesus explicitly says, if you are disciples of mine, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So as I think about my prime directive as a disciple maker and in the context of today's text, I want you all to experience the kind of freedom that Jesus speaks of. And I hope to offer that in a message I've titled quite simply, the truth. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we have now come to the preaching hour. Lord, you know what I have prepared, but no one came to hear me. They came to hear you. So speak, Lord, through your manservant. Lord, I have my own anxieties, my own worries, my own concerns and fears about this message and how it will be received. But Lord, that is my concern, not yours. So speak, Lord, for your children are listening. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm reminded of the very famous uh, scene in the Bible, and I'm sure you all are familiar with Jesus at the point where he was facing Pontius Pilate, right? And he was standing there, and Pontius Pilate was questioning him after they had done all kinds of things, beating him and embarrassing him and making a spectacle of Christ. He's standing before Pontius Pilate. And in the scene, here's how the dialogue goes. Jesus says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight that I should not be delivered unto the Jews. 
That's what Jesus told Pontius Pilate. So Pilate says, oh, are you a king then? So you're a, so you're a king then. So Jesus said, you say it. It is to this end that I was born. And it is for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth, this is Jesus talking, everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Everyone that is of the truth. By the way, Pilate, I have come for this reason into the world. I've come here so that I should bear witness to the truth. And by the way, everyone who hears my words, they hear the truth. And they know it when they hear my voice. So Pilate says, what is truth? And at that pivotal moment, the text tells us, when Pilate said and asked the question, what is truth? The text tells us, he then said this, he went away again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him. This is probably one of the biggest missed opportunities that I think is in all of scripture because I believe that Pilate should have waited for Jesus to answer his question before declaring Jesus's innocence. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And before he allowed Jesus to answer the question, he goes now to the Jews and say, I find no fault in this man. Missed opportunity. And so, be that as it may, you and I are left asking the same question today. What is truth? And how will we know it when we hear it? The word truth is most often used to mean being in accordance with fact or reality. It can mean sincerity in action, character and utterance, the body of real things, events and facts, also fidelity to an original or to a standard. The dictionary gives you all these things about truth. In short, truth is both knowing and agreeing with what is actually there. But for each of us, truth as we understand it is fleeting at best. Let me illustrate. You're all, and I've told this story before, you're all probably familiar with the story of the blind men and the elephant. In the story of the blind men and the elephant, you've got four blind men who come upon this elephant. And one of the blind men is holding on to the tail of the elephant. And he says, ah, I know what an elephant is like. An elephant is like a rope. So the second blind man says, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, ropey. An elephant is like a wall because he was holding on and his hands were touching the side of the elephant. The other blind man says, you're both wrong. As he holds on to the leg of the elephant, he says, an elephant is like a tree, like a tree trunk. And then the final guy says, you're both wrong. You're all three of you are all wrong. An elephant is like a spear as he holds on to the tusk of the elephant. The story is told really to talk about the idea of pluralism and to show that no one really understands reality or no one has the full lock on truth and that we should op be open and tolerant to the ideas of others. That's the moral of the story. But there are two issues that I find with this story. The first is that all of the men are correct. An elephant is like a rope, 
An elephant can be like a wall. An elephant can be like a tree trunk. An elephant can be like a spear. But the second issue with the story is that they're all, all of them are wrong. For the truth of the matter is, there is much more to the reality of an elephant than merely only one part of the elephant that you are familiar with. There is far more to what an elephant is and the essence of an elephant. An elephant is more than its spear. I mean, its tusk. <laughs> an elephant is more than a rope. I mean, its tail. An elephant, whatever you think an elephant is because of your own limited perspective of an elephant, is only a part of what an elephant could be. So here is the obvious elephant in the room. None of us in here knows everything or can even know everything there is to know about God. So what you think is the truth about God might not necessarily be the truth about God. For God is more than what you think and what you have experienced with God with your little hand on his side. Or with your little hand on his leg. Or maybe even because he might have blessed you one way today, but he didn't bless you another way. He may bless somebody down the street one way and he blesses. He's God all by himself. And no one of us, you could be Pope, Nope, or Dope. None of us can say we have a lock on the truth about God. God is greater. His ways are stronger. His ways are higher than our ways. Our finite little minds cannot begin to comprehend the vastness of a God who created the stars at night, the sun and the moon, the oceans. How can they can come this far and no further? God is God all by himself and we can't put him in a little box. But we never ever want to say we don't know. Put on this robe and I say, I know more about God than everybody in the world. Really? Really? Be careful, my brothers and sisters, when our pride and our arrogance takes us to places where we think we know more and act like we are more and we exalt ourselves more than we ought to. God is a jealous God, but he is also a holy God and he will not share his glory no matter how wonderful you think he may be. He is God. And the sooner the church realizes that God is more than whether or not you find a parking spot at the supermarket, then you start to see the hand of God, even in places where you don't think he should be with your judgmental self. See, we tend to think that we all know the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And we are dogmatic and we're arrogant, and I'm talking to the church, to all of us, talking to the church. As good as you think you are, and you're good, and as wonderful as you think you may be, and you are wonderful, you, like me, don't always know the whole story. What part of the elephant are you holding? And how have you been holding on to that part of the elephant for so long that you can't even begin to appreciate the other parts. What I want to say to you today is that the truth, whatever the truth is, it is important. And we need to do everything we can to get familiar with it. Which brings me to the term that I want to make you familiar with today, a, a, a new term. It's a little big term, but we're going to get through it. The term is called God's veracity. The attribute of veracity refers to God's truthfulness. Stay with me, church. That is, God's identity as the source of all truth and unfailing 
watch this, conformity of all divine action and revelation of his identity. Pastor, that's a whole lot of words. The Bible portrays God not only as an unimpeachable truth teller, but also as the source of truth itself. You see, <laughs> I hope you get this. God's word is true not because it matches with some kind of a reality that you and I may be familiar with. God's word is truth because he says it. Did you hear what I just said? God's word is true because he said it. So therefore, if he didn't say it, it's not necessarily the truth. God's own essence is truth. And it's why the Bible tells us that God is not a man, that he should lie. He cannot lie. It goes against his very nature. It's like saying, I'm a human being, but not really. I am a human being. Whether you acknowledge it, believe it, or not, can't change the fact that I am a human being. I am not an illegal alien. I just said something, you know. I am a human being created in the image of God, worthy of dignity, whether or not you think I'm not. Hear me, church. Hear me, brothers and sisters. We have become something other than what God has created us to be simply because we might just have an office higher than others. Be very careful when we look down on those that are among us and we think that we have the right and the authority to relegate them to something substandard and less than a human being. Every person was created in the image of Almighty God and we would do ourselves a great service if we recognize that truth. Just saying what I'm saying. So God's veracity speaks first to God's faithfulness and the assurance that believers may have on the basis of God's promises. And secondly, God's veracity is related to the divine inspiration of the scriptures and the infallibility of its truthfulness. That's what we believe as Christians. So the bottom line is this. Truth is not what we understand about reality. Truth is whatever God says. Full stop, end of story. Whatever we may think we know about life and truth and ourselves, truth is not what we see, what we think, or necessarily even what we believe. Truth is whatever God says. And if we can hold on to that and believe that and trust in that, I guarantee you we will be able to understand more about ourselves and each other as we go through this thing called life, talking to the church. So truth is an attribute of God in Scripture, and it pertains to all of his speech. So the Word of God, the Bible, provides us with the moral foundations, and we talked about last week, the word being written in our hearts. It's, it's, it's something for us to recognize that while many people may have different thoughts and ideas about it, what it says, it says. So the question is, this is not the problem. The problem is how we choose to understand what it says. You have many people who read the same scripture, and you all have experienced this, read the same scripture and walk away with different interpretations. So then the question becomes then, how can we know the truth, pastor? If I'm reading the same word and it's telling me one thing and I'm understanding one thing and somebody else reads the same word and they understand, how am I ever going to know the truth? Well, <laughs> well, that's a very good question. 
How are you going to answer that, Pastor? Well, I will say it this way. So Jesus was saying to those who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Did you understand what I just said? I just gave you a problem. Pastor, I was in your Bible study and, I, and, and you said this about what the Bible says. And I went home and I read it for myself and I don't agree with you. If you continue in my word, you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. This just popped into my head. I don't know, I'm one of those people where if I don't know something, I get stuck. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an introvert, an ISTJ in the full meaning of all of that Myers-Briggs uh, profile. I get stuck if I don't understand or I don't know something. I can't move, I can't think, I can't even breathe. I start hyperventilating. I don't understand, I don't understand. I go into that, right? And for people like me who are very, um, who love to understand and to know things, I will not stop until I find out. Now, I'm telling you all of this because I want you to understand there is something to be said about persevering in the word of God. Something to be said about not letting what you don't understand stop you from trying to seek it out. The Bible tells us that it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. And Jesus is saying, don't get stuck. Don't stop. Just because you don't understand, don't stop. Keep in my word, keep fighting, keep pressing, keep pushing, because somewhere, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. Yes. And eventually, that truth is going to make you free. I, I just love it. But, but, but let me get to where I want to go. So in the passage, truth, as Jesus is talking about it, does not refer to some philosophical ideal or, or, or the opposite of falsehood. We're not talking about truth to say, okay, this is a lie and this is the truth. That's not what Jesus is referring to. Jesus is saying, knowing this truth is knowing God. Wow. That is, that is to say, God has made himself present in the person of Jesus Christ. Who, by the way, would tell us that I am the way. Yeah. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, you and I know that everybody who may believe in one religion or another have a problem with that statement. What do you mean, is Jesus the only way? Jesus says, I am the way. Y'all bring up all of your other stuff into that. He was not ambiguous. He was clear. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. That's what Jesus says. So, so to make it clear, when Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free, Jesus is saying, oh my gosh, I love this. Jesus is saying, you will know me, and I will make you free. It's a complete different take on it, right? You will know me, and if you know me, I will set you free. So truth is not some kind of a phenomenon of reality, but truth is a person. Truth is a person. So for Jesus to say, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free means you will know him. And when you know him, he will make you free. 
But in the context of discipleship, which is where I want to go, we need to look at a few more things closely in this text. Who was Jesus speaking to? Well, he was talking to the Jews who believed him. That's what the text says. What is the condition that Jesus has presented us? He says, if you. If you is a conditional statement. What is the action? Continue in my word. Right? So he's talking to people who believe. Then he's saying to them, if you continue, which is an action, continue in my word, there's a consequence. Continuing in his word brings a consequence, which is why he says, then. 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 So what's the result? You are truly my disciples. What's the benefit? Two of them. One is knowledge. You will know the truth. And what's the other benefit? An experience. Be set free. Listen to me, church. Stay with me. Jesus is saying, if you know me, if you stay with me, if you don't give up just because things don't look the way you like it to, but if you continue with me and follow my teachings and stay the course and do not get distracted, let this word be in you. Let, don't look to the right or to the left, but stay for, if you stay with me, you're going to be with me, you're going to get to know me, and not only are you going to know me, you're going to know me in your head and you're going to experience me in your life. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. How many of you understand what it means to be free? Free when sometimes you're paid off a bill finally. <sighs> Freedom when you find out that what you thought was, 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 was an was a illness that might have been malignant or something in some way, and it's not a free. When you, when, you, when you find out that you've worked so hard to get into some kind of a school or college or institution, and you finally get in free. When you walk across the stage and you've gotten that diploma after all that work, free. Now all of those freedoms are nice and wonderful and you can connect with the feeling. But what I'm saying is there's a freedom that comes with knowing that blessed assurance. Yes. Jesus is mine. Yeah. Oh, what a foretaste yeah. of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Purchased of God. Born of his spirit. Washed in his blood. Is that your story? Because that's my story. There's a freedom that while things may be falling apart in my life, there is a truth that nobody can do me like Jesus. There's a truth that comes that says when things are falling apart, I can lean on his everlasting arms and I can lean on him and I can go to, I can go to God in prayer. I can find and believe you me. The first problem that I asked, remember when I asked the problem, I said, you're reading the text and you're confused and it don't make sense. And Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth. The truth will make you free. Out of nowhere, God will send confirmation. When you are not sure about what direction to go in, if you start making decisions on your own in that moment, you're going to fall into non-truth. But if you continue in his word, if you stay the course, out of nowhere, God's going to send somebody, somebody whom you least expect to give you just a little word. And all of a sudden, the word that you have becomes quickened in your spirit. For you will not only know the truth, but you'll experience it when the freedom comes. <laughs> 
Brothers and sisters, that's what Jesus is saying. If you continue in my word, don't give up. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. The Jews did not understand Jesus. The Jews claimed to Jesus that we've never been in bondage. We don't know what you're talking about. How, how quickly they forget Egypt. How quickly they forget the Babylonians. How quickly they forget Assyria. We've never been enslaved. That was another group, another generation. Jesus says, y'all don't get it. Jesus is talking about a freedom that transcends all generations. Whether you are with the Babylonians or the Egyptians or even Jim Crow. Jesus says there is a, there, there is a bondage that all of us are experiencing. So when Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. He's really talking about being slaves in bondage to sin. Sin is the one thing that all human beings have in common whether they agree with it or not. Sin is a truth that many people may say, there is no such thing as sin. I just want to do what I want to do, and I want to be what I want to be. We are living in an age where everyone seems to tell you that it's my truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. We have all people telling us all of that. What is right before your eyes is not what you've seen. I'm telling you what I am. Well, there is a truth that seems good to other people. For whatever reason, not making a political statement, I'm just simply saying, that whatever God says, that's the truth. But this thing called sin, it, it has a way of coming in at a time where you least expect it. And it robs you of your dignity, your self-esteem, your worth. It robs you of everything. And it will not stop until it has completely destroyed you. And it keeps us in a form of bondage. It's the, I want to stop, but I can't. It's the, I don't want to do this, but I, Paul talks about it. It says, the, the, the good that I would do, I do not. But that which I do not want to do, I keep doing it. It's not me, but it's this thing inside of me. This thing called sin that just keeps gnawing at me and dragging me. And, and I got more Jesus than all of y'all, but I just can't get away from this thing called sin. Bondage ties us up. Has this hold on a person. So Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Only Jesus makes that claim upon anything that we have read anywhere. And I have read a lot of books from Aristotle all the way to <laughs> Michelle Obama. All books, kinds of books. Jesus is the only one that makes the claim. If you continue in my word, if you stay the course, you are truly disciples of mine. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I'll end with an illustration, talking about this idea of sin. When I was in seminary, I was in a class with a professor, and he was telling us a story, and he was making the point that even as leaders in the church, we do get a tendency to think that we know a lot, and that God has given us more abilities than other people. We tend to think that. 
As a matter of fact, it's the reason why my Bible st our Bible study is the way it is, because I don't just tell you what you want to hear. I said, what are, you, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? Because I recognize that God doesn't just speak to me. He speaks to everybody. Right? The Bible study that we have is structured that way specifically for the story I'm about to tell you. So the professor was telling us a story. He said he was in his church and he was having this prayer line once, one time. And you know how prayer lines work. The people come down and they come with all kinds of ailments and the pastor or the preacher or the prophet or the apostle or whatever they want to call themselves lay their hands on you. you some people fall down and all of that is happening and sometimes, but, but, but all of this was happening in, in, in the place. So the professor says to us, a lady came, and she was losing her eyesight. She's going blind. And she wanted on this prayer line for God to heal her. So he said, okay. And like most of us in the ministry, you know what we do? We lay hands and, oh, Lord God, please open up her eyes. And the devil meant for evil. We turn around our good. And if I had 10,000, and we pray all these prayers. And the lady is there. I'm saying, that's not what he did. He put his hand on her shoulder, and he said, okay, let's see what God has to say. Someone comes to you and says they're probably problem with their eyesight. It is natural, and they want prayer to pray for her eyesight. It is natural to do that, is it not? She's gone and seen all kinds of doctors, and nobody can fix what's wrong with her eyes as her eyesight is failing. True story. So he lays his hand on her shoulder, and he says, well, you're, you're losing your eyesight. Well, let's see what God has to say. So whatever com image comes into your mind, just tell me. So they're there praying, and they're saying, come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, God, come. And the pastor gets an image in his mind of a knife in the back of the woman. An image. Because God can speak to us in any ways. Can he not? He gets an image in his mind of a knife in, his, in this woman's back. And he said to her, and of course, the Bible tells us to test the spirits, right? Whenever you get an image, and for all of you who want to know, when you pray and God give you an image about somebody else, you got to test the spirit because you don't know what spirit's talking to you. So he looks at the woman and he says to her, I'm getting this image of a knife in your back. Is there anything going on that you can remember with your back? Some, something about your back. And she was like, no, I can't, I can't think of anything. I, I don't know what that is. I said, all right, let's, let's keep staying with God and see. But the image of the knife in the woman's back wouldn't go away. Wouldn't go away. And he says, are you sure there's nothing wrong with your back? And then she thought for a little while and she said, well, you know, a couple months ago, I was standing on a chair in my house and I was reaching in the kitchen, reaching for something at the top of the cupboard. True story. And a box, a heavy box fell and the box hit me. You know, it, it hit her in her back and fell. But that's about all she knows about her back. So he says to her, was that around the time when you started losing your eyesight? And she said, come to think of it, yeah. That's around the time when I started, my eyes started failing. He says, okay, so here's what I want you to do. The Lord is showing me this image, so what I need you to do is go to the doctor and let them check out your back. Come to find out, she comes back to him later on and thanks him because God was amazing. Her eyesight is repaired. He said, what happened? He said, when she went to the doctor, and they checked out her back, because every doctor was looking at her eye, checked out her back, only to realize that there was some kind of pinched nerve that happened when the box fell that started to cause her eyesight to fail. I don't know the biology behind it, but that's what she said. What's my point? God knows things we don't know. Amen. There's a truth that looks right to us. I'm going to pray for your eye. And that's why when I pray for people sometimes, I'm not trying, you can tell me what's wrong with you the way you see it, but there's a truth. So Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, 
and the truth will make you free. Continuing with Christ, my, that pastor, that professor, he stayed the course, didn't give up. He continued with Christ. And then this woman now knows the truth and experienced it with her eyesight being restored. Brothers and sisters, what has God been showing you that you have not been paying attention to in those moments and in those nights when you're sleeping and it doesn't make sense to you? Because the truth of the matter is if you try to filter everything through what you think you know, you will miss the truth and you will not be free. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm telling you of spiritual things. God wants us to have the blessings and the wonderful things that he has for all of us. But he has a hard time getting it to us because we're stuck in, well, God is like a tree trunk. God is like a spear. Meanwhile, God says, I have a whole elephant for you. I have a whole elephant for you. Take the time to cross the boundaries and talk to those who may be holding on to the tail. For while you are satisfied with the tree trunk of a leg of the elephant, your deliverance might be with the tusk or with the rope. Your deliverance might be with somebody who you have written off because they don't fit your mold or your motif of someone who can be supportive or helpful to you. Sometimes the person that God is sending you to you to confirm your word is a person that you have been spending the last few years avoiding their call because you got caller ID. And you wonder why, God, I've been praying to you and you've not been sending me any help. He says, what do you think I've been doing all this time? Look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. Let's try to the best of our ability to shed ourselves of all the things that we think we know. Believe me, brothers and sisters, I've gone to a lot of schools. I've learned a lot of things and I understand a lot about a lot of things, right, Furry? We, we, we are engineers and so we, we dig into the word and we try to understand even what seems to be a mystery. But God is and always will be a mystery. And it is our prerogative yeah. to ask him, to seek him, and to see what it is that he has to say. And maybe, just maybe, the freedom you need is going to come from the revelation that there's a knife in your back that needs attention. Yes? That is the point, and that is the idea. So, in conclusion, brothers and Sisters, are you under the heavy burden of sin of some kind in your life? Maybe some kind in your life. Are you struggling with not just the burden, but also the guilt and the shame that goes along with it? For many of us are dealing with things that we have not told anyone at all. And every time and every now and then there's a reminder of the thing that, that causes you the most pain. I say it once, and I'll say it again. In this place, guilt and shame is not welcome. For if you continue with Jesus and in his word, then you are truly, truly, truly disciples of his. And guess what? You will know the truth. 
the truth about your life, the truth about how God sees you, the truth about the mistakes and even why they were made so that he could turn that around for your good, the truth about all of the failed relationships that you might have had that were really just building blocks for the one that is yet to come. Right? The truth about why sometimes our children go through struggles only because it doesn't feel good to us and we're a witness, right? My wife and I, we're a witness that goes through some, some, some serious struggles only to get to a place where they can see a different way of, about God. God has a different way that he speaks to each of us. And the truth of the matter is we need to learn to be not just patient with others, but also patient with ourselves. God is a good God and he only gives good gifts and how I know that to be true is because I'm a witness. He's given me a lot of really, really, really good gifts. So my arms are open for more. You listening, Lord? More? I want more. I want everything that God has for me. Every single thing. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I want it. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. The gifts sometimes that God wants us to have doesn't always come easy. Because the resurrection was a gift. But ask Jesus, it took the cross. So if you're going through crosses in your life, if you continue in my word, you're truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth you'll know the truth but the truth will make you free let us freely be willing to confess our sins and our faults so that together we can enter into true fellowship that comes with the freedom that Christ brings Accept his call to discipleship. Take up his yoke and learn from him, remembering his promise that if the Son makes you free, then you are free indeed. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.